Hey guys, so here's the deal. It's a busy day at Hallis Hall. This is the Hogan Johns podcast. We have actually already recorded our podcast for the day, but after we got done, about 20, 30 minutes later, uh, there was uh, some breaking news that actually Johns and I kind of simultaneously <laughs> broke uh, with some coaching changes, so it didn't really make sense to post the whole podcast without us reflecting and talking about those coaching changes. And so we're going to talk about it here for a couple minutes, and then we're going to start with the podcast as you would normally hear it. Yeah, I guess. Do you want me to announce the moves right now? Sure. In, in a sense here. So offensive coordinator Mark Helfrich, offensive line coach Harry Heastan, tight ends coach Kevin Gilbride, and special teams assistant Brock Olivo are all out. Uh, no surprise about Helfrich and really no surprise about his stand, I think when we did our podcast earlier, we thought maybe they'd wait a couple days, see who's available, let some dominoes fall, be kind of deliberate with it, like deliberate in seeing who's available. Um, but here we are, uh, what, maybe an hour later, 45 minutes later, hour and a half later, I forget, time is flying fast here in Alice Hall, <laughs> um, and the Bears have uh, made their moves. It's actually official, I believe, they have announced it themselves. Yeah, so we were all expecting some type of moves, and I mean, yeah, I guess the only surprise is that uh, Brock Olivo's included, you know. <laughs> um, but th- this is really about the offense and uh, some moves we were expecting, um, and and yeah, we did we did discuss the coaching situation in the podcast we recorded earlier, um, and it just it, it just seemed like a matter of when and not if, but also who exactly. I don't think we're surprised by Mark Helfrich. Uh, it, the question I think there is how will he be replaced? Not just who will he be replaced. Um, you're going to hear later in the in the full podcast us discuss Pat Shermer a little bit and and what uh, you know that could look like because I think it. Don't you agree that don't you think that would look a little bit different, in, including potentially even Nagy having to give up play calling duties? Which at this point there's no indication that that would happen. Not that it won't. It's just we don't really know at this point. Right, bringing in a big name like a, a Pat Strummer, who's been a head coach at two different points in his career, obviously shifts things uh, considerably. He is not Mark Helfrich. He is a guy who has been in the NFL for a long time and has had significant NFL success. I think you're the one who highlighted what he did with Case Keenum and Latavius Murphy as his running back up in Minnesota. He was great for that one year. That's why he became another head coach or got another opportunity to be a head coach with uh, the Giants. And and look, I know we're listening to this on The Athletic, so you can find the story I wrote about these changes here uh, while you listen. And it's my understanding that he, Stan, and Helfrich had a big role in designing the, the run game. And obviously we know the Bears' run game has been, uh, I don't know, stuck in neutral, Adam, for the, for the past couple of years. If you look at the, the gains made by David Montgomery this year, they're very similar to what Jordan Howard did last year. So, yes, they wanted better... Matt Nagy liked Mark Helfrich because of his history with RPOs. Obviously, that did not come to fruition with significant success this year. If anything, maybe they took a step back with RPOs this year. So problems galore on offense, and these are the first dominoes to fall here at Hallis Hall. Yeah, it certainly makes sense that uh, you know they this is this change is made with the running game in mind. Uh, so there is more coming up here in the podcast on. Uh, you know the potential replacements because we, even though we didn't know at that time, 
uh, which moves were exactly being made, we did expect some changes. So there's more coming up on that. However, uh, the one name not included in this list of coaches being let go, Johnsy, is Dave Ragone, the quarterback's coach. And as you're also going to hear us discuss here on the pod in length, is how Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy address the quarterback position today uh, at Hallis Hall. Are you at all surprised that that Ragone is still is is still being kept on the staff? A little bit because every number from basic statistics to advanced statistics to your your basic eye test tells you that Mitch Trubisky took a significant step backwards this year. Ryan Pace himself used the word regression, so you know he works hand in hand with Ragone. Um, but I, I've always felt like just because the quarterback's taking the steps back doesn't mean like it's still on the quarterback to, to make the plays. Maybe things are, are going right all the way up to the point where the quarterback is actually executing the play call. So maybe they, they see something in Dave Ragone that we all don't see. Obviously, they liked him to keep him. He's the one holdover from John Fox's offensive staff, the one piece of continuity. Maybe that's it, Adam. Maybe that's the answer. Continuity can still be king for Mitch Trubisky. Obviously, Mark Helfrich is gone, but Dave Ragone has been by his side since he came into the NFL. Maybe that is the deciding factor in retaining him, at least for now, to be Mitch Trubisky's quarterback's coach. All right, so uh, so it's a newsy and and really kind of a crazy day at House Hall, as a, as we expected. So uh, we, it, we're we kind of patching this all together for you, but we did want to get you immediate reaction here on The Athletic today. Uh, so, Johns, you do have a story up on the coaching changes? Yes, please check it out. It's just You can listen and, and read while you do this. And it's, I it should be up there now. And I do as well on WGNRadio.com slash Bears. You can find my story on the coaching changes. So a newsy day here. And then also plenty to get to from the press conference which is what you're about to hear is our reaction uh, to what Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy had to say today. Kevin Fishbane joins us as well on the podcast. And uh, basically the game plan here is to get as much immediate reaction to you today as possible. We're going to come back Thursday. Wherever you listen to podcasts, usually it's going to be a longer, more in-depth breakdown of what has transpired this week. Uh, We'll get you more of the audio from the press conference uh, and maybe even have some more news depending on w- what other changes are made or maybe even some hirings if uh, if this all moves quickly. So it's going to continue to be a busy week here on the Hogan Johns podcast. But, uh, hey, got you some breaking news today, right, uh, John Z? And uh, good, <laughs> g- good work by you. Good work by you, my friend. All right. Uh, here it is, your podcast for the day, Hogan Johns. It's not where we want to be. It's not acceptable. We know that. But uh, we're going to learn from this. I don't care who you put out there on that field for the other team. Those guys are playing hard. What we're looking for is a reflection of ourselves as to how do we respond in those situations. 37-yard try by Dan Bailey. Looks good, is good. Third and goal. And they give it to Mike Boone, who scores. Mike Boone. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Montgomery back in, and here's Montgomery breaking a couple of tackles and winds up with a first down and a touchdown. There's a lot of stuff that we can get better at. It's not easy to win on the road, and we did it. From WGN Radio, it's Adam Hogue. I'm ready to go in attack mode, figure out how we want to go about this thing. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. We had a tough year. It was mentally challenging for all of us. There's a lot of stuff that we can get better at. Here they are, the Adams. I appreciate the fight all year long. Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. 
A busy day at Hallis Hall. The press conference everyone's been waiting for as Bears general manager Ryan Pace and head coach Matt Nagy address the media on New Year's Eve. For over 30 minutes, like 35 minutes I believe it was, then you had Chairman George McCaskey talking, then you had Team President Ted Phillips talking, so a lot to digest, a lot to get through. I know people are having explosive, I'm not even using the word hot, <laughs> explosive takes right now on Twitter. They're, they're outraged. Everybody's outraged on Twitter anyway, but... Let's get through it, Adam. Yeah, a lot to get to here. So here's our game plan. This is the our athletic podcast for the week. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue and at Adam Johns. Read all the reaction at WGNRadio.com slash Bears and TheAthletic.com, the athletic app where you're listening to this right now. This is kind of our immediate reaction podcast to what we just saw and heard and asked questions and got feedback back from uh, the main four figures of this organization right now. What we're going to do is then after it is New Year's Eve and uh, tomorrow's New Year's Day, we'll come back Thursday with a much uh, more in-depth podcast on uh, WGN Radio and on your podcast apps wherever you listen to us with uh, you know some more of the audio and give it a little bit more time to digest and see what the reaction is out there. Maybe we'll take some questions from our listeners too, so feel feel free to hit us on Twitter with some of that. We'll come back Thursday with a, a much longer look at everything that transpired this week. Maybe we'll have some more news, some coaching changes potentially by then. We'll have to see how that plays out during the week. So plenty to get to later in the week, but we did want to get sort of an immediate reaction uh, in our weekly athletic episode here for you today. So look, the, the biggest news is obviously... And it shouldn't be surprising, but the news of the day is Ryan Pace so strongly doubling down. Triple downing. Uh, triple downing. It's probably at this point. Triple downing on Mitchell Trubisky saying the plan undoubtedly is for him to be the starter in 2020. I'm not surprised that that's the route the Bears are going down. I'm a little surprised that Pace and Nagy so strongly put that into motion today. But I mean, really, even later in the po- in the uh, press conference, asked about potentially bringing in competition. Obviously, they need to address the backup quarterback pos- spot this year. Pace was willing to talk about that, but kind of squashed the idea of bringing in somebody to really compete with Mitch for the starting. See, job. I-, I didn't read it that way. At all. You have to realize they're always going to come with some type of slant, some type of, I don't even want to call it a PR message, some form of unity coming to these things. So I think everybody always has these expectations that the GM and the, the coach are going to come up to this end-of-the-year press conference and light everything on fire. It, it doesn't work this way. It absolutely does not work this way, especially when you had a team. Well, some hand out seven-year contract extensions. Yes, to their quarterback. That, that happened. Yes, yes, I covered that. That was Jay Cutler getting signed to a massive deal by Phil Emery that carried over to the Ryan Pace regime and kind of backed everything up on the QB evaluation uh, for Pace. So, no, I, I was not surprised to hear. Again, we'll call it a triple downing uh, and. Uh, Mr. Trubisky, yes, maybe it came off a little bit strong, but you, you try to read between the lines. Read the tea leaves uh, and things like this. He continuously said, I think twice, that Tyler Bray and Chase Daniel are UFAs. Like, he's telling you, my quarterback's room is going to change. Yes. 
We should all know that. That was clear. And there are so many things more to, to play out. Like, I, I've always had this this thought on my mind, like, who are you signing right now? You, you don't know who's going to be available. You don't know what the competition is. You don't know what the market is. You're two days removed from the season. So you very well could have serious competition for Mitch Trubisky. We're just two days removed from the season. Two days. So things can change. Plans can change. Yes, they have confidence in Trubisky. I think that confidence was shaken this year. It should have been shaken this year. But the best-case scenario has always been giving him one more shot to see if he could shake it off. Now, it's the contingency plan. If he cannot shake it off, that matters most. So if the confidence was shaken, and I'm sure it was. Oh, how could it not be? What is there to gain by just coming out so strongly today and saying – I mean, because it's – it's similar to Mike Glennon's our starter in 2017 is Mike Glennon's year. Now see that's I feel that's different because that was such a smoke and mirrors show. True, but they continue that message throughout the summer right. and into that season. I'm just saying like there would have been in my opinion there would have been nothing wrong coming up here today. And I'm not even criticizing so what, what, what they what, did. What did you want to hear? I'm just I'm just kind of talking this out and what I somewhat expected. Uh, I, yeah, again, it's not because the, you never hear what you want to hear. It's not what I wanted to hear. It's not about that. I I don't have a problem with what they did today. Let me make that perfectly clear. I agree. Well, I'm just a little surprised that it was the approach that they took. Just a little surprised. I, I thought it would have been perfectly fine for them to both come out and and say that. Look, he was inconsistent. He regressed, which they did say, by the way. They used the word times. regression. He, that, was the, that was the word, word of the day. Yeah, he used the word aggression in his opening statement. Regression and was the word of the day. And that is a specific direct message about Mitch Trubisky. But yes, go on. So we could they could have said, look, so you know, Mitch is still under contract. We're not giving up on him. But we also have to do our due diligence this offseason and look at what's out there in terms of bringing in competition at the quarterback position. They did not need to say that Hill will be the unquestioned starter in 2020, which isn't the exact wording they use. Yes. But they left no doubt that Mitch is their starter. Well, they're going in with that idea. In fact, there is a soundbite out there we could pull where Pace said Mitch is our starter. Mitch is our starter. That's going to get used all (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Which is fine because Rex (laughs) is our quarterback and we we like soundbites in this town. But you're the one who asked the fifth-year after question. I am, and he did not commit to that. No, and correct me if I'm wrong. I know where you're going with this, and I agree with you. Did he not say he was picking up Leonard Floyd's option on this very day. I thought so. Uh, I wanted to double-check that before we started this podcast, which I failed to do. But that's why I asked the question, because I was pretty sure he did that last year with Leonard Floyd. Yes, it was more... At the very least, it was more immediate than leaving the door open for whatever this is. More speculation, yeah. which is in terms of what we're about to do. So, like, you want to express confidence in your quarterback. You, you always want to do that. But I, I think at various moments throughout that 35 minutes, they left the door open for competition. They left the door open for potential changes down the road. And, yes, there was some, I, I don't know, call it favorable scrutiny, a positive spin uh, on criticism of, of Mitch. I think you heard things that they've always thought. Like, they knew this would take time. And, yes, it sucks that Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes have become instant success. But they did him no favors by drafting the guy with John Fox in the house. Ted Phillips even recognized that fact. Like, this this changed everything. Yeah. 
there's a lot into this equation, but just to go back to our original dialogue, I was not surprised by the confidence. Yes, maybe it came off a bit strong. I would just say to all those people who wanted them to like throw Mitch Trubisky under the bus or something like that, well, that you had happening. very unrealistic expectations <laughs> yeah. coming into today. Yeah, no, they weren't going to announce that they're moving on from Mitch today. If you thought they were, that's just, first of all, that'd be stupid. He's still on a contract for next year, and that contract's guaranteed. So I, the same reason why he didn't say that about Adam Shaheen today. I think the writing's on the wall with Adam Shaheen, but Pace, his answer to that question was, well, he's under contract, so he's going to be in and competing. Yes. Because where are you going to send him? <laughs> you might as well have him come in. Yes, yes. See what but he could do. I would still say there's a very decent chance that Adam Shaheen doesn't make the team next year yeah. um, unless he you know, has a, a great preseason. But So that's just a comparison. The guy's under contract. He's going to be here. Um, I just... I was a, I, I'm just being honest. I'm a little surprised they were so strong in saying that he... I read it as he's definitely going to be the starter in 2020. Yeah, well, which it, I expected to happen. It, just I wasn't expecting it to be such a strong confidence, uh, word of confidence, voice of confidence, whatever. And, and, and here, you put here's that. the thing about, like, okay, we're going to bring in competition. You cannot say that two days off after the season without knowing who was available to be part of that competition. That's fair. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't promise competition. Then all of a sudden, like, you, you whiff on everything because things work out differently. Yeah, you, there's no guarantee you, you can get that guy. Yes. You don't even know what the market is mm-hmm. right now. You don't. Like, is Jameis Winston really going to be the quarterback of the future for the Buccaneers? Is Derek Carr really trade bait? Is Phillip Rivers really not going to be re-signed by the Chargers? Is Drew Brees really not going to be re-signed by the, by the Saints? There are so many dominoes that still have to fall uh, with teams – Still in the postseason right now, playing and like like there are so many more layers to this conversation that you that you just can't have detailed competition like answers two days after the season you just can't. And we should be clear. I mean, I do think they were critical at the same time. They were critical. I don't think they were as critical as they were expressing confidence, but that's also fair in their position. And they're again, they're not going to throw Mitch under a bus today. But Matt Nagy people really want to hear from Ryan Pace today, but I thought it was a little interesting anecdote that Matt Nagy went on going all the way back to week three, which was fun. I thought immediately thought it was fun for this podcast because that's the game we got in our fight about. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where I was not impressed with them and you thought it was a good game. Um, but that's just, that doesn't matter. But the, I just thought it was funny. That's the game that, that Nagy went back to. And he brought up a check down in that game early in the third quarter. I haven't had time to go look at it. This is part of the reason why. Check down the trade burden. Yeah, I want to come back. This is part of the reason I want to come back Thursday with a much longer, in depth look at all this because we can do a little bit more research by that point. But he brings up a check down early third quarter. Bears already have a big lead. And he thought there was a shot downfield that, you know, could extend the lead, basically been the dagger, to put it in Wayne Larravee terms. And Mitch checked down. Now, I vaguely have this memory of that game where there being a play where Allen Robinson was wide open downfield. So maybe that's the play. I'll go back and find it. But that's just sort of as, as Nagy was talking. That's what popped into my brain is what he was referring to. What, regardless, Nagy very openly saying, Mitch missed a touchdown in that game where he checked down. And then he brought up later in the season how, you know, that touchdown and checkdown mentality that they always talk about where he executed it properly. I know it's not exactly what fans want to hear, but 
I did find it interesting that Nagy pointed to a specific example in a game, which is always helpful for him to do, and he made it very clear. He's not throwing the guy under the bus. It's something that Mitch knows he didn't do correctly. I'm guessing Mitch or Matt Nagy has a bunch of examples of missed throws by Mitch Trubisky this year. I, so I've been on the fence about what we do. Yes, so yeah, that's what I mean. Like, and he has probably ten times as yeah. more. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he knows the play call. He knows he knows the yeah. order and progressions. Things are supposed to. He knows what routes are supposed to run, whether guys run them wrong or, or not. Yeah, we have a bunch of our own examples. But like, I, I we've talked about this a little bit. I've been on the fence between play calling and Trubisky struggles, like which one is it? I've I've come to the Matt Nagy side of things. Like the the final three or four games uh, changed my mind a bit. Like there there were throws that Mitch Trubisky needs to make. Like even against Minnesota, um, you move your seat away from us on the third row of the press box, the front row, you know. I didn't want to sit by you. Okay, it's fine. No, it's I have a thing in that. You know how much I love that stadium. When you, you sit, just love the ambiance. When you, when you sit in the third <laughs> row there, you're in the press box. When you sit in the front row, it's an open press box. You feel like you're in the stadium. You can see the roof and the sun shining through the glass. You feel like you're you're at the game, okay, not in a press box. Anyway, that's cute. Um, like he he, <laughs> he had a like it, it was a two man route with max protection against the Vikings. Think about like miss, missed opportunities. A two man route against the Vikings against their backups, right? And he goes deep to Allen Robinson, who had two guys on him, but he broke off a, a, a great route for a long gain. I don't know, maybe twenty something yards over the middle. Javon Williams had a step on his guy running a corner route, which could have gone for like thirty or forty or, or or fifty maybe if he breaks the tackle. Like, those are plays that Maggie will look at, like, okay, come off of Robinson and go to Wims because he's, you know, that, that that's a bigger play. I'm guessing there are examples, widespread examples of plays like that. So, oh, Kevin Fishbane is, is here, everybody. What, you got something to say already? Yeah, I walk in. We're recapping week 17. No, he just bring it. We were, we were talking about how Nagy brought up that one play uh, against Washington. Because I thought maybe Johnsy looked at the coach's tape. We were going to go yeah. through some of the big plays from week 17's I haven't even win gotten there over yet. the Vikings. 8-8, eight and eight, 500 team. Right? That what that's what we're talking about? That one bit. I didn't even watch the game, really, like at the stadium. <laughs> yeah, that was clear in the post-game podcast. <laughs> <laughs> had to tweet once during the game. Um, were you surprised? We've had this long, I don't know, what, 15-minute debate already about how, well, they of course they're going to come out in some type of defense with Trubisky. He's our, he's our quarterback, going to give him another shot. But with how strongly worded their commitment was for him in 2020. I was a little surprised, um, but this is, I don't know if Ryan Pace gains a whole lot by coming out here and just criticizing Mitch and saying they're going to bring competition for him because what if the kind I mean, we've talked all year about who is that guy going to be? It's going to come here and win the job for Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, we were talking about that. Like, so, so you don't even though he's available, so it's it, you know if, if if Ryan says that, then you sign somebody who's also not good. So I, I get. So I kind of understand. It was a little more um, emphatic than I expected. Um, I do think that March 18th we'll know a lot more about how they feel about Mitch Trubisky and what quarterback is on the roster. That's when free agency opens. Um, what did you, you guys probably already talked about this, but the, the whole not committing to the fifth year option thing was kind of confusing to me because that if you want to, if you're one of those people who is like, I am so done with Mitch, I just want to move on. Why won't they move on? Maybe you hang your head on the fact that they wouldn't commit to fifth year option when they did last year at this press conference for Leonard Floyd. So here's my thought on this after talking to some people, and I'm going to put this in this athletic story that will probably be up after this podcast. So so check it out um, while you're listening here. There, there's some optics involved 
with that. Like he did not play good enough to warrant such a commitment. Now you could still like there's a deadline for it, but you could still yeah, maybe use the franchise tag. Maybe you start playing differently with what how you extend him after another good season. But you don't have to pick up the fifth year option. Yes, it's only guaranteed for injuries, so there's all sorts of different scenarios, but just in terms of the optics, the public relations battle, maybe sending a message to Mitch, like you don't have to pick up his fifth-year option. Like that gives you the time to send a, again, send a message to your quarterback, hey, you need to be better. Well, and Pace has an example under his watch here uh, where not picking up the fifth-year option worked. They didn't do it with Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller came out and balled in that season and put the pressure back on the Bears. And the Bears played it pretty well in using that transition tag, which you almost never see. The Packers offered a a contract. It sort of seemed like they were overpaying to match it. But Kyle Fuller's been a really good player now for three straight seasons. So you wonder how much that, that will impact what they do. But we did discuss earlier how... You know, at this press conference last year, he said, "Yeah, our plan is to pick up Leonard Floyd's fifth-year option." He and did look not how that, do that. And today. look how that turned out. For who? For Leonard. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Ryan Pace did say that Leonard Leonard played fine. Don't By worry. Way, about- I a hundred percent agree with him on that. Leonard Floyd obviously has not turned into like the twenty sack a year guy you're kind of hoping to get when you draft somebody in the, with the number nine overall pick. He's still a really good player. He does a lot of good things on that defense. He's a good starter, but to be fair, to have a career low three sacks, yeah. when the guy on the other side of you is getting quadruple teamed on some snaps. Now, that's an exaggeration, but at least triple teamed on some instances you need to be better. You need to win some one-on-one matchups against some freaking tight ends. I agree. I'm sorry, but yes, you could do a lot of different things with him, especially in this past happy league. That coverage stuff is valuable for teams. It really is, especially when you have good blitzing linebackers. You could do some different things, but you're drafted in the top 10 as a pass rusher. You need more than three sacks. Like His sack totals have gone down every single year he's been in the NFL. All right, so here's what I want to do. Um, since we've talked a lot about what Pace has said. Again, we're going to bring back a lot of this audio on Thursday's podcast, but we will bring you kind of a short snippet of the beginning of the press conference today, which was a lot of the, the questioning about Mitchell Trubisky. So uh, so you can kind of hear it in their own words right now. Here, here is the, uh, the start of the press conference. We'll just take it right off the top, and you can kind of hear what Pace had to say. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Sit here today, disappointed in our season. You know, obviously we expect more from ourselves, from our team. We didn't hit the goals we set out to achieve. You know, the next four to five months are about hard decisions. Honestly, decisions that require real, honest assessment of our roster and our entire football operations. It's about identifying problems, gaining clarity on the issues, and doing whatever it takes to solve them. I think every season takes on a new storyline. This season was about regression inconsistencies in way too many areas. We have to learn from our failures, see it as an opportunity to improve. We believe we have the right foundation, the right pieces in place, but we have to make the right decisions going forward. We have extreme confidence in our head coach and the leader of our team and Matt Nagy, and together we'll work hard on solutions for the Chicago Bears. So with that, I'll be happy to take any questions. And you've had, uh, you've had three years with Mitch. You've got over 40 starts now. 
do you have enough to go on to feel confident that he's going to be your unquestioned number one going into next season? Yes, we do, Jeff. And I, and I think with Mitch, you know, as we go through it, and we, and we need more time in the coming months to evaluate everything, but the first thing that comes to mind for me is just consistency. So you, see, you see moments, you see games, um, but for him, stringing together better consistency. So you have the peaks and valleys. We just need to flatten that out. So, Ryan, the plan is for him to be your starter? Yes. Ryan, obviously there are a lot of moving parts of the offense, but exclusively with Mitch, why do you believe the inconsistency is so prevalent? I don't, and I, it, when we go through this, I don't think it's one person's fault, Dan, as we go through this whole thing. I think sure, obviously. There's a lot of factors in play, uh, you know, we can talk about. Uh, but, but I think with, with this, you know, especially with the young quarterback, in a lot of cases, it's never going to be a straight line. It's never going to be linear. There's going to be ups and downs. And you see moments this year. You see games. Uh, you see him respond to adverse situations within a game. Those are signs of positive improvement. We just need to smooth out those inconsistencies. Why have the inconsistencies been there? I think it's just growth as a young quarterback. You know, and I think there's things happening around him. It's not just him. And, and he knows he needs to get better in those areas. I think, you know, hopefully we knew his experience coming out of college, switching schemes after year one. All those things, if there's just a growth process that we're watching. Right. What, what if he doesn't improve next year? What would be the plan alongside him or behind him this, this offseason? As we look at that room, we know that room's important. And really, t two of the three quarterbacks in the room are free agents, if you look at it with Chase and Tyler, both being out of contract. So that's something we'll look at this offseason. We always try to increase competition everywhere, especially in the backup roles, and something we'll look at. Ryan, he's had three years in the league now, two with, with Coach Nagy. After all that time, you've said that these guys develop at different rates. But what is still realistic for Mitch in, in his potential in his career? I think that's still wide open, Rich. You know, I th you know, and I, I think again, you, you see moments this year. Aha, there it is, right? And then we see the inconsistencies and the dips. You know, we need to figure out why that's happening and work hard to solve that. And that's part of what this offseason is about. Right, will you pick up the fifth year option? We're not at that point right now. So the season just ending two days ago. So we're not at that point right now. And when we will, we'll let you guys know. All right. So again, we we've discussed a lot of that already. Our reaction to that. Just wanted to make sure that. You can kind of hear it in uh, in Pace's own words. Uh, and again, we'll bring you more of that later on this week. What I also want to do before we get out of here, though, is cover some other non-Mitchell Trubisky topics. Um, although there is one other news item with Trubisky in that when I asked Pace about the shoulder, he said there is a possibility that Mitchell Trubisky needs surgery on his non-throwing shoulder. Now, he did not put that in the list of guys, which we'll get to in a second, who absolutely... 100% need surgery who have already had surgery but I kind of read that like Trubisky does need surgery I have a, a, I'm not a doctor but how are they able to know that Anthony Miller needs surgery after something that happened like less than 48 <laughs> hours ago and they don't know that Mitch, whether or not Mitch Trubisky needs surgery about something that happened in week four I mean that that's, maybe maybe because it's his non-throwing shoulder and they yeah maybe well, he doesn't need it and, and guys who are quarterbacks you know Mitch's people and and the Bears people, they all there's probably a lot more decisions to be made. I thought that's a little a little strange that they still don't or claim to not know. Well, it's, maybe they were hoping we wouldn't ask about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's also been a recurring problem though for Miller. This dates back to his college years. He's already had one surgery on that. So I forget who who had the follow up question on that. So obviously, it's a lingering issue. Lingering problem for Miller. That's going to be a lingering issue for the team, especially one 
a second-round pick you're counting on to take strides in this offense. Quite the blow, I would think, for the for the Bears' offseason plan to have Miller go through this again. Just to summarize, Ryan Pace said, Roquan Smith has already had surgery on his torn pec. The timeline for his return is not until training camp, so Roquan Smith misses the spring. Trey Burton, also something we need to discuss. Hip, he said that that's all kind of connected to what's been going on with Trey Burton. That seems like, man, that thing is getting layered and confusing. All I know is Trey Burton needs to come back next year and be a part of this offense, or they need to find somebody else in a hurry to play that position. Also, Trey Burton's scheduled return is training camp. And then you mentioned Anthony Miller, left shoulder, hurt on the kickoff on Sunday. The worst part about that is meaningless game, spot where he wouldn't even have been on the field unless Cordero Patterson hadn't suffered a concussion. And he hurts the same shoulder and needs surgery. I don't think he gave a timeline for Miller's return, but that's going to cost him some time. Yeah. I, th- I thought he said maybe the, the entire offseason program. Maybe, okay. maybe I heard that wrong. Yeah. Look, that's just bad luck. I know you want to protect your guys, but players have to play. Miller wanted to play. Again, protect your guys, but bad luck sometimes happens. I- injuries happen. You know, Alshon Jeffrey used to have that great quote, there's a 100% chance of getting injured in the NFL. That's a guy who would know, just so you know. Things I never thought I'd hear on this podcast. <laughs> Alshon Jeffrey had a great quote. <laughs> yes. He actually was very quotable his last year here. It was very entertaining. Sky's the limit, man. After the games. Um, the, the, the the I think the of those three, I think Anthony Miller is most concerning because we saw what him missing the spring this year meant for in terms of it took him two months to become a factor. Then he gets there, he's playing like a great receiver, and then now he's got to miss the spring again. Um, you know, Roquan Smith, it's his first one, so maybe that's okay. You know, linebackers have that injury a lot. Um, and then Hogue's right, though. They need Trey Burton to come back and be the number one t- U tight end. Obviously, Ryan Pace admitted they need to have other guys Need upgrades, there. yeah. And I, I tell you what, uh, over 28, 2019 regrets, doing nothing at that position. And we said in the spring that was a problem. In the summer, there was a problem. They didn't do anything. They were totally relying on Trey Byrne coming off an injury, totally relying on Adam Shaheen, who'd done nothing for you, had his own injury issues. And, and, and to just bank on, like, four undrafted rookies, I, I did not understand that at all. And, and it totally, totally backfired. So seeing what, what Ryan's done as GM, I would expect a total overcorrection, maybe, and adding a two or three guys via free agency and the draft. I would say spending some significant money in free agency and drafting someone maybe in the second round. Now, Shaheen was a second-round pick, but the evaluation changes. Like, Shaheen was drafted for a Dow Loggins, like Deion Sims-like offense. This is different. Like, Matt Nagy now will be an invaluable part of that evaluation, that that move, that wide tight end, or that U tight end, sorry, I should say. Uh, going forward, did you guys see like what happened with the Rams this year in the final month of the season? Tyler Higby comes out of nowhere, guy who's been in the league but never really been that big of a receiving threat, and all of a sudden became like their number one option. And Jared Goff started looking better. Obviously, their season they didn't make the playoffs, but all of a sudden Higby was putting up huge numbers in fantasy. Like they had nothing. The Bears this year. Do you think? Here's a hypothetical: if all three of us got to play 40 snaps a game in the NFL. Do you think that we could combine 
for more than J.P. Holtz's 91 receiving yards that led the Bears' tight ends. That is a crazy stat. No. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. But that, that is a crazy stat. But that. nobody would be covering us. So I feel like you get a couple catches in there, here and there. But I imagine, it for, at least for me, to take one hit and I'd probably be out yeah. for the season. But I do think it's it's kind of it's it's a good thought exercise. One other topic I wanted to bring up because I thought Ryan Pace was uh, very open and honest about the offensive line. He said we we struggled in that area this year. That's real. And then he went on and on to talk about it. Um, clearly, not sugarcoating what happened there on the offensive line this year, which was a problem. Right. And everyone saw it. You know, what? When, when I asked him about it, um, he kind of went to the injuries. Talk about Kyle Long, which was that really an injury? You know, we don't know how much of that was an injury thing. By Massey, well, the offensive line was a disaster before Bobby got hurt. Um, you know, I, I think he was pretty forthright that maybe not admitting that they made the mistake with Cody and James making that switch before the season. What I'm still trying to understand, and maybe we could have asked about it, and maybe they'll, we'll, we'll learn more based on if they make a coaching change or the other offensive linemen they bring in, what is the disconnect between what Matt Nagy wants his offensive linemen to do and what they are, A, being coached to do, and B, the type of offensive lineman Ryan Pace is acquiring? Something did not match there. That's that's scenario one. Scenario two is that these guys just stunk, you know. And I think Cody Whitehurst is probably the only guy that. Play- I, I will say this: I think Ryan Pace. Right. I think James Daniels did play well in the last month, the last month or so of the season, um, at that spot. But Cody would probably be the first to tell you he didn't have as good a season as he should have had. And obviously, Charles Leno totally took major steps backwards. At the I, I, th- I think if you look at some advanced statistics, you know, time in the pocket, average time to throw you'll see some indications that the offensive line was perhaps good enough in the past. Good enough to survive. Not not great, but good enough. It's why Matt Nagy, again, stressed the importance of Mr. Bisky of stepping up in the pocket, having that feel for his footwork instead of bailing out all the time. Step up. I feel like there was some good things done pass protection-wise. Now, the run game, that is a completely different animal. They, they I don't know if they're built to run the football right now. Uh, they don't seem to have, like, how was your mauler? He wasn't a mauler anymore. They just never seem to have that push. And, yes, maybe scheme is a part of it. When they went downhill, eye formation, things like that, it seemed to click better. David Montgomery seemed to be going better. But just in terms of, like, pairing it with philosophy, what Matt Nagy wants to do with your quarterback, all this stuff, the run game just seemed all out of sorts. And we all know it starts up front. All right, two-part question for both of you guys before we get out of here. Are you... One, surprised we haven't heard about any coaching changes yet or anybody being let go. And two, do you expect that when we're doing a podcast Thursday, there'll be some movement there? I expect some movement. I don't know if it's going to be as soon as as Thursday. I feel like covering the Bears, that they could be very deliberate in their decision-making. Because you don't know who's all available right now. Like Pat Shermer is available now. Yeah. He's intriguing for a possible uh uh, maybe an offensive coordinator position. He's from the Andy Reid tree in a sense. Yeah, I wrote about that yesterday. He's got play calling history. He'd be extremely beneficial. But there's so many. I, I think they like to see more dominoes fall before they make their decisions. And I think Matt Nagy, with the way he builds relationships, the way he has this positive attitude, when he makes those final decisions, like they're going to be <laughs> done at least after some careful deliberation on his part. 
Yeah, I, I agree with John Z. I think that, that that this is a this is a front office in terms of Ryan and Matt that really want to be careful um, with with their decisions. But it would it would surprise me if they don't make any change. And, and you know what? The thing is, I'm acknowledging that any change they make might not actually fix what was broken. I, I think there's going to be a serious scape, scapegoating issue here in whatever move they make. Um, but I just think it's hard to go with the status quo. Speaking of guys who are available, Mick McCall. Former Western Office corner, he's he's looking for a job, right? All right, so um, <laughs> the reason why I like the Pat Shermer idea, and that's just the first guy that got fired. Just cats, this guy. Go I, know, I know, it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, it, maybe uh, maybe Dallas will hire him to work with Clayton Thorson. It's a possibility, I guess. Get back on track, Adam. <laughs> Pat Shermer. Uh. Andy Reid coaching tree, although they didn't really overlap. Shermer ended up working for the Eagles under Chip Kelly. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, had success with Nick Foles. And then the most impressive thing was what he did in Minnesota, where he takes a bad Vikings offense, makes them a top 10 offense with Case Keenum. And if you watch that season, it wasn't just like he was, you know, Case Keenum was stacking up all this yardage with short dump offs or something like that. Case Keenum, for one year, became a legitimate downfield passing threat uh, and that was impressive enough to one get Shermer the job in New York which obviously didn't work out but two he interviewed with the Bears so first of all system wise I think there's a fit there there's I would think some optimism that you say hey look well, look what this guy did with Case Keenum can he do that with Mitchell Trubisky and also this guy comes with a history of an emphasis on the running game too so I think it fixes could fix potentially a lot of problems here and be an interesting mix with Matt Nagy. The question is, you hire somebody like that, does he need to be the play caller? Yeah, yeah, and that comes down to Nagy swallowing a little bit of pride and moving on from that. Like One of the reasons why the Bears chose Nagy over Shermer is I think what you've seen unfold is just there's more charisma, natural charisma, keeping things together, having these organic things come about where the, the culture changes, where guys rally to him. I, I don't know if Shermer, to be fair, I don't know if he has that. You saw things unfold quickly, unravel quickly in Cleveland. Now everything unravels quickly in Cleveland. And yeah, then, I, think and he's, then, I think he's been in two really tough, tough spots situations. that were not ripe for success, but I also think it's proven Nagy's done a better job the last two years right. than Shermer and, and did. Again, and just going back to the Bears' decision, I think that's why Nagy stood out the pace above Shermer. But if Shermer, if a guy like that is coming in, Again, this is maybe why you don't see um, any movement right now in the Bears' offensive staff. Like, Matt Nagy has to possibly accept not calling plays. Is he ready to do that? You just heard Ryan Pace give him a vote of confidence, in a sense, about what he called this year. And, like, we were talking about about the Washington game, or, or as Kevin walked in, as we reviewed the, the Vikings game. But not really. There were throws missed by your quarterback. Plays that were there, good play calls, just not executed the way that your quarter that – that your coach needs your quarterback to do. Any thoughts on uh, coaching changes? Otherwise, we got to get out of here. I do like the <laughs> idea of Pat Shermer being the one to come in and replace Mark Helfrich. They seem kind of similar to me. Similar? Yeah. <laughs> Soft-spoken. Oh, okay. Long-time quarterback, guys. I liked Pat Shermer as head coaching I did, too. I did, you too. Um, I remember researching him uh, the day that he, he interviewed here. Um, a lot of... A lot of you know, good things about his background to uh, to appreciate. I just find it I find it very hard to accept the idea that Matt Nagy's gonna give up play calling. Yeah, I do too. I just I, I struggle with that too. When you when, once you do that, well, then what? I 
mean, like what 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 do you what do you hang your hat on in the NFL? The way the NFL is right now. It's I just, do wonder though if that's the hard. best thing because I, it, he. I still maintain everything he's shown as a head coach, with maybe a couple, two, three, maybe four in-game decisions. You know, this year, I I think he's proven that he he has a firm grasp on the locker room. He can get a team through tough, you know, a tough four-game losing streak without it completely unraveling. Unraveling, and you wonder if he could even become stronger in those areas if he wasn't worrying about play constantly looking at that play sheet the whole game too. Yeah. So I'm not saying he needs to, but I do I do wonder if bringing in somebody like Pat Shermer and that's just doesn't have to be him, but somebody like that to fully take over the offense and not like completely install a new scheme. I don't think that's happening. This is still going to be Nagy's offense, you know, but there's been times where Andy Reid's given up play calling. Yeah, Matt Nagy's not Andy Reid though. Or he's not Bruce Arians. So, but but I I agree. I think there's. I think you could look at it both ways. I think you could say yes. Matt Nagy would probably be better served giving up play calling. But it's that's a hard thing to ask a guy this young, this early in this profession to go ahead and just give that up when every team is hiring somebody pretty much to be a play caller. All right, before we get out of here, I want to bring you Ted Phillips. You don't hear from him a lot, uh, really, just like once a year essentially. Um, but Ted Phillips, the bear CEO just, uh, talked today and it's about a 10 minute conversation. So we bring that to you right now on his thoughts on the 2019 season. So guys, uh, it's a disappointing season. Um, very frustrating, very frustrating given the expectations that we had. Uh, I think that everyone had our fans had, uh, our hundredth season, you know, it was special. We had an off-season celebration that the fans really just rallied around. Uh, we appreciate that. Um, so to go eight and eight after uh, making the playoffs the year before um, was was it was unacceptable. Uh, I think you heard it from Ryan and Matt. Um, I have all the confidence in the world in both of them. Um, they're the reason that we had a 12 and four year in 2018. They put together a strong foundation um, and we regressed in a whole lot of areas. But uh, I have confidence that with the two of them, they're gonna take a, it's important to self-reflect. In the off season, you've gotta be able to self-reflect. I think they have the humility to do that. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, we'll straighten it out and the guys will return to the level of play that they had in 18. When you talk to, to Matt and Ryan, throughout the year, especially about Mitch. How did your conversations change as you saw his struggles kind of unfold on the field? Well, you know, I think um, there's a lot of belief in Mitch. It's, it's really a consistency issue. I think we all saw the flashes, and that gave us hope, and then he would regress a little bit. Um, so I think his, his approach this offseason, and I think Matt just talked about it, is to really understand defenses and how they disguise coverages. And uh, I think he'll be able to do that. He's got all the ability in the world. Did you need to hear something specifically from them to, to feel confident moving forward, at least for another year with him as your starter? Well, I, th- I think um, he, they have both never wavered from their belief that Mitch can be a very good starting quarterback in the league. It's just a matter of him 
doing what he does well more consistently. When you look at the draft and uh, the two picks in the second round, mm -hmm. how critical is it that these aren't players that are any kind of project, these are starter-ready players that come in to help this team? I think that's how Ryan approaches the draft. The early picks, you know, you hope the guys are available that can step right in and, and make a difference right away. Um, so I'm confident we'll be able to do that. How did, how did Mitch's inconsistency affect your ongoing assessment of Ryan? Understanding that Ryan picked him yeah. over the other guys sure. that he picked. You know, I think it's everyone progresses at a different rate, you know, and I think when Ryan drafted Mitch, we all knew he only had one year as a starting quarterback in college. Um, and then after Matt came in, that was another year prior to that, that he had a different offensive system. So I think now with Matt facing the adversity he did this past year, that between he and, and his staff and, and Mitch having the adversity he faced, that they're going to be able to, to kind of rally and get the best out of him that we can this year. I'm confident of that. But, Ted, do you, do you feel Bears fans' pain when they watch Mahomes and Watson light it up? In, in, in respect hey, we're all fans. We're all fans, so we, we, we try not to get into that comparison game. We believe in Mitch. You know, Patrick Mahomes is, is an anomaly. I mean, nobody expected that kind of performance, right? Um, so as fans, we want the best for Mitch, and we've we got to get back on that championship path. Ted, Ryan mentioned the, the potential big dividends of sticking with Mitch and if he realizes full potential. How do you weigh that, though, versus the, the rookie wage scale and the fact now he potentially enters a contract year and he's still at this stage of his development and there's that rookie contract that you can potentially take advantage of? Yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces with that. I think Joey Lane does a great job of managing our cap and looking at different alternatives. So um, uh, we'll be prepared for that. We don't look at the cap in a, in a vacuum. We look at it a couple of years out and see, make sure we can plan and, and keep that foundation in place and add to it every year. This will be Ryan's sixth year. That's right. When you perhaps look, I mean, you've been around the NFL for a really long time. Right. You see teams constantly switching and all the turnover. Why do you feel like you, you, the patience will pay off? I think, I think the teams that have consistency and belief and the people they put in place on the football side is important. Um, what I like about Ryan, he's never wavered, is he's, A, he's humble, he's aggressive, and, and we kind of operate, and Matt does too, with the philosophy of, look, there's no, there's no perfect decisions made in football and in personnel. Um, you can't be 100% right all the time, but you got to go with a mindset of no regrets. And that's what they do, and I think so far it has it is, uh, served us well. There was a lot of talk about patience in there. How, how yeah. long is the organization willing to wait to get this team out of this? Well, I think, I think we, we should be able to turn it around next year. I mean, we were 12-4 and four just a year ago. We had the coach of the year, the executive of the year. Um, they haven't lost their abilities, and we haven't lost the talent level. we just got to be able to maximize it better this coming season. Well, the the a, expectation then is to be a contender next year. Absolutely. On, on a day-to-day -day basis going through the season, mm -hmm. how is your patience tested? How would you characterize what you, know, you think about and, and kind of go through as the team ebbs and flows? You know, when, you, when you've been around the league as long as I have, you do develop thick skin, but you're also a fan. And uh, I had the expectations this the year also that we would take that next step. So uh, it, was, it was disappointing, but I'm not dejected. Um, and I'll, I believe in Ryan and Matt that they will take an honest look at every aspect of the team this offseason. And uh, 
and hopefully that'll turn out for, for the good this coming year. Is there one concern, biggest concern during this offseason for you personally that you look about this team that you want to see fixed or that you want to see at least steps taken towards to be addressed? I, I just want to see the, the honest analysis of, of every aspect. Offense, look, there were some good things that happened this year, right? Our defense, I think we were, what, fourth in the league, first in the conference, and points allowed. Um, that's a positive. Uh, I think our special teams improved. You know, we were first in kickoff return average, I think maybe seventh in punt return average. So there's a lot to build on. Um, I think when you do have adversity like we had this year, that, and, and Ryan mentioned it, it does build those guys closer together, and I think it gives them the ability to uh, really take a fresh look um, look, we were 12 and four in Matt's rookie year. He had no adversity that year, for the most part, and and that uh, can build toughness, and it, and it gives you an honest assessment. So they're going to do that this year, and I'm confident of it. Ted, it's always it's always interesting how GM coach relationships. Sometimes they start out great, yeah. and then they fracture. I was curious, yeah. What you what have you observed about? Ryan and Matt, especially during a difficult year. Sure. What is their relationship? How is that? Um, I think it's grown stronger. It's a great question because a lot of times those relationships, you start getting the finger pointing. I've uh, seen none of that. They've gotten closer, and I think they have more honest discussions as they've faced the adversity with a four-game losing streak, et cetera, this year. Um, and uh, I'm proud of them for that. That's not easy to do. You've used the word honest a few times. Matt's yeah. used the word honest a few times. In your experience, how difficult is maybe getting an honest evaluation of certain things when you're emotionally tied to certain players or you're invested? It's, it's all about the kind of people you bring in. And, and I think with Matt and Ryan, they have stayed true to who they are as individuals, high-character guys, um, low egos. We've all got egos, but they have low egos in terms of uh, making sure they make objective decisions. They are solution-based. They're, they're focused on finding solutions, and I'm confident they will. Ted, when you look back on the summer, the yeah. 100th season celebration, the atmosphere at training camp, yeah. the hype going into the kickoff game against the Packers. That was fun, wasn't it? it, it in some ways, it felt like a celebration yeah. before the season even started. Okay. Th does... Do you think, in retrospect, as you reflect on any of that, that it contributed to the disappointment of 2019? No, not at all. Not at all. You know, as you enter the 100th year, we owe our fans. And so we wanted to have that weekend, bring back the alumni, bring back the current team. Um, and it was special. I talked to so many fans that weekend and during the season who appreciated that so much. So I think it was a great way to start the kickoff. You know, obviously we didn't deliver on the field, so I understand why you would ask that. But we have no regrets about doing that. And now we're looking forward to kicking off the next hundred years the right way. Ted, Ted might, you, might you have another convention for the fans, the way that was received, that that's something the organization, like the baseball teams do it, the yeah. hockey team does it? I, I, I'm not expecting us to do that. Um, it was a real heavy lift for our staff, so uh, they did a great job putting it on, but I wouldn't expect another one this year. Thanks, everybody. All right, thanks, guys. Happy New Year. I think my one takeaway from that, and Adam, you and I were both there, is that, is that we do not have to work in June this year. Yes. Oh. <laughs> in a weekend in June, we do not have to work at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center. To be honest, you know, we should have asked them for a promise that we would not have to drive down the freaking Decatur. Yes. With all due respect to Decatur, I'm sorry. But it's not close. It's just not close no, to, to where we were. I'm just going to say this right now. I'm never going to be in Decatur again the rest of my life. <laughs> I I just won't be. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I hope you're going to like cover a basketball tournament <laughs> down there.
Uh, but again, I know we're going. Um, he expects a quick tur- turnaround. Obviously, a lot of faith in like two guys he has, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. Expect this. He expects this to be turnaround next season. I think in summary, they expect Trubisky to be better. I don't know they ex- ever expect him to be you know, a league MVP, but I think they feel like they can do enough with the scheme, the pieces around him, certainly the defense, get back to those takeaways, um, that he can be a guy you at least win with. I think that's the big takeaway, and I think that, that from Ted Phillips' comments there, they expect that to be next season. Make the they got to be back in the playoffs next year. I mean, that's I playoffs think, yes. completely fair that's expectation uh, at this point. But there's a lot more to get to. All right, we will be back later this week. We'll see if there's more news to discuss. But either way, there was a ton in this press conference today that we didn't we couldn't get to everything. We want to bring you more of the audio too. So we'll have a more in depth podcast on Thursday later this week on WGNRadio.com and wherever you listen to your podcast. In the meantime, though. Thanks for listening here on The Athletic. Tell your friends. You can still you know, have your friends subscribing here at theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. But we know if you're listening right now, you already subscribed. So thank you for that. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S, and The Fishman, K Fishbane, on Twitter. Thanks for uh, being a part of this thing the whole season, bud. It was an honor and a privilege and uh can't thank you guys enough. You guys do great work, and uh, thanks for, I guess, bringing Fishman into the lexicon for 2019. It was an honor and a privilege to introduce that to lexicon. Yes. Well, you're going to hear more from Kevin throughout the offseason, because this podcast is not going anywhere right now. Uh, But we are going somewhere right now, and that's, uh, I don't know, hopefully home, New Year's Eve parties. I'm going back to the media room. Yeah, I'm going to sit next to Kevin. Enjoy that. I'm going to go back to the front row of the press box at U.S. Bank Stadium. (laughs) Ambiance. All right, happy new year, everybody. See ya. Happy new year, guys.